0: welcome to stuff we love podcast greetings everyone and welcome to another episode of the stuff we love podcast this episode will conclude season one of the podcast and have lots of great stuff to chat about we'll discuss recent film releases talk about some disney news and take a look back at season one as always we'll conclude the episode with our very popular stuff we love segment let's meet the hosts i'm jack i'm scott and you're listening to the stuff we love podcast.
1: The Stuff We Love podcast is sponsored by Autoslash. A few months ago, I came across Autoslash as I was booking my car rental for my upcoming trip. I was interested in learning about the service that they advertised because they said they would lower the cost for my car rental. Stuff We Love podcast is extremely happy to now be working with them, and we're glad to tell you a little bit about what they have to offer.
0: So for Scott, uh, for any of our listeners who don't already know, how do they actually go about finding lower prices? Well,
1: when you book at Autoslash, they apply every coupon code you are eligible for. Why can't
0: I just find those deals myself?
1: Well, Autoslash searches a wide range of codes, including publicly available codes and special membership-only codes if you indicate you are a member of, for example, CostCo, AAA, or have other memberships like credit cards or frequent flyer miles.
0: So once you book the initial trip, uh, is, is that the entire process you all set? Well,
1: it can be, but Autoslash actually tracks your rentals, and they keep on looking for better deals right up until your pickup date, which is great because the rates often drop as the pickup date approaches. So if they find a lower rate, they email you so you can rebook and save.
0: And is this only available if I book through their site initially, or can you do it through other sites as well?
1: No, you do not need to book through Autoslash initially. You would just have to enter on the Autoslash website your rental information, along with your email address, and Autoslash will email you with better rates if those are available for your trip. I remember seeing that the average user saves around 30% off their typical rate. I personally was able to save close to $200 on my car rental cost. Autoslash has been featured in the New York Times, Condé Nast Traveler, and on the Today Show. Visit them at autoslash.com. Jack and I are now going to talk about some films we have seen recently. This will be a spoiler-free discussion, so no spoilers. Jack, are you ready to talk movies? Absolutely. Why don't you kick off our discussion of Spider-Man Far From Home?
0: Sure. So, Spider-Man Far From Home, obviously, it's the ending to what we have known as the Marvel Universe. Obviously, many people considered Endgame to be the ending of what we know as the Marvel Universe. But if you look at the timeline, Spider-Man Far From Home is actually the last announced movie we have from the phase of uh, Marvel that we're currently in. So, this is kind of... A, a stepping stone in a lot of ways because we don't really know what's to come next so this film was very important for marvel as they kind of bridged the gap between you know what happened in endgame and what their plans are for the future and this movie does a really good job of that it reminds us of the characters we loved in spider-man um some other performances by zendaya as mj uh, they really create a, a very young and enjoyable cast for people to you know watch and really become attached to and it's gonna be interesting to see how these characters play out specifically when it comes to this movie. Uh, I did enjoy it. The only thing I thought was it wasn't as enjoyable or as well done, I thought, personally, than some of the other Marvel movies I've seen. I might have an unrealistic standard having just seen Endgame, where I expect you know all these movies to be perfect, but I felt like at some points during uh, this movie, some of the scripts were a little poorly written, some of the plot was a little weak, and I don't want to go too much into it just for the sake of keeping it spoiler-free. My other largest criticism and I'll make this spoiler-free again, is there are two post-credit scenes, so you want to make sure to stick around to see them. And my biggest criticism is in the first post-credit scene, I won't say what it is or what happens, it is such a huge plot point. I'm upset with the fact that they only made it a post-credit scene because, in my opinion, it completely changes the entire movie. Like, you could have seen that movie, and then if you didn't see the post-credit scene, had a completely different uh Reaction to that movie than you did if you saw the post credit scene. I understand the impression that nowadays, you know, all, ma- all Marvel fans stay for post credit scenes so that you kind of expect they're going to see them. But to leave that much in the post credit scene just seems a little bit uh, weak to me and a little bit uh, just not a smart move. If you think about when the post credit scene started, I think one of the first ones I remember is Avengers, uh, Age of uh, the First Avengers, um, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, mm-hmm. when they have the post-credit scene when they're eating uh, shawarma at that like shawarma shop after right. they fought. It was a very light, like not not really serious insignificant post-credit scene, but something that you sticked around just to see an Easter egg. Stuck around just to see an Easter egg. In this case, though, and I, again, I don't want to say what it actually was. The post-credit scene completely changed the entire movie, and so I kind of walked out a little bit upset because I'm like, well, that just if you didn't stick around for the post-credit, you just got a completely different take on it, and it, it begs the question, Scott, that I guess I'll pose to you. Do you think they left too much for that post credit scene?
1: Well, I remember watching that scene and thinking to myself, this is unbelievable. This changes the entire movie. So for people that maybe are casual moviegoers that don't stay for the credits, they saw a movie which had a fundamentally different ending than what you get from watching that first post-credit scene. Uh, if there are going to be post credit scenes, even though I think we all know Marvel movies have them, I don't think you can put something in them that has such a major plot development that forever alters the fate of these characters. So that was, I didn't think about that too much before you mentioned it, but now that you mentioned it, it makes a lot of sense to me what you're saying. I think it's too much to put into a post credit scene that lasts
0: 30 seconds. And Scott, I was just thinking also when people rewatch these movies, mm. if, if the post typically post-credit scenes weren't super important they were cool easter eggs but they weren't they didn't change the movie mm-hmm. for this movie for example unless you get the post-credit scene in whatever streaming service is going to be airing this or, or whatnot i mean you get a completely different takeaway from that movie and I, since i'm sure you're familiar you're obviously familiar with what happens let's say where the next spider-man or next marvel movie starts where uh spider-man's character is involved are they going to pick up from the ending that they saw in the movie are they going to pick up from the ending you saw in the post-credit scene because they're two completely different worlds
1: i think they have to pick up from the post-credit scene but but for those that didn't see it it's going to cause a lot of confusion yeah absolutely. it's it's uh actually extremely major what happens and we won't give it away but it if you see it, you have to stick around for both, but
0: especially that first one. So I was a little bit upset with that, but overall, a very you know, it's hard for Marvel to disappoint nowadays, mm-hmm. and it was a very enjoyable movie, a great summer movie, I thought. It's a great summer movie.
1: I really liked the performances, like you mentioned, Jack, the Zendaya, Tom Holland. They they do a great job. I really like watching Tom Holland as Peter Parker and Spider Man. I find his presence on screen to be very good. Uh, it really, to me, reminded me a lot of just a classic good old teen movie where you have a group of friends getting together. In this case, they happen to be going on a class trip to Europe. Uh, this is the kind of stuff that teen movies have been made of for decades. Uh, and there was a lot of humor in there, just good old teen movie humor. Uh, but the Spider-Man scenes, of course, were unique. Uh, I thought it. my only complaint, in addition to what you've pointed out, Jack, is that it did seem a little bit bloated to me. I thought it probably could have maybe done with the little bit less on the action sequences, Um, but that's a Marvel movie. That's what's going to be there. Uh, I overall was uh, pleased with the movie. I definitely enjoyed it. I found myself laughing out loud at the screen a couple of times. Uh, It was a nice uh, way to close out this series in the Marvel Universe. That's my take on it. After Endgame, which was a very heavy emotional movie, this was a bit more lighthearted. So that's Spider-Man Far From Home. And folks, tonight we're going to just kind of be going through these really quickly to knock them off because we're a little bit tight on time, but we wanted to cover uh, as many of these films as possible. I'm just going to say a few words about Yesterday, which I happened to see in theaters this past week. Uh, I really did enjoy this film. For those of you that are not familiar with what it's about, it's a fantasy in which a struggling musician one day gets into an accident while riding his bike and the bike collides with the bus. At the same time, there is a power outage all around the world. And he wakes up in a world in which he is the only person that remembers the music of the Beatles. No one else has ever heard of them. When he Googles them, they don't exist. And the movie is about how he becomes a musician who's able to bring the Beatles music to the world, which for most people, literally all people in the world, they're hearing for the first time. So it's a movie that Plot-wise sounds a bit silly, but I would just tell the audience that when you go see it to sort of suspend your belief in reality, otherwise the plot's going to make no sense. Uh, For me, as a Beatles fan, what I loved most about the movie is that the film is really just a fun celebration of the Beatles. There actually is a line in the movie where one of the characters says something like, "Uh, a world without the Beatles is a world that's worse off, or something to that effect. And I thought to myself, well, that sums up the movie perfectly. Uh, I thought the performances of the songs were good. The lead actor, Himesh Patel, did a great job performing those songs, and he actually had some very memorable covers of Beatles classics in there. I also am a big fan of Lily James. She was great as Himesh Patel's love interest in the film. Uh, The movie really is a romantic comedy kind of wrapped in the world of the music of the Beatles. Uh, Directed by Danny Boyle and written by Richard Curtis. It's a very strong film in that sense. Uh, Jack, I I remember for your Stuff We Love segment a few episodes ago, you chose the movie About Time, which I also really loved. And uh, Richard Curtis was the writer of that. And again, that's kind of like a science fiction-y romance story as well. So if you like that, I think you're really going to like this. And one of the things I really liked... Uh, was the idea that this film kind of makes me wonder as a Beatles fan and a music fan whether or not the music of the Beatles would succeed if they were a new band now, people hearing their music for the first time in a world in which people are listening to. Everything from Taylor Swift to Ariana Grande to Florida Georgia Line. Would the Beatles become as big now if they first stepped onto the scene? And I also kind of saw a depiction of a modern-day version of celebrity in the film. So I really, really did enjoy it. I had a lot of fun with this movie.
0: So I haven't seen the film yet. Scott, it was a great review. But one thing I will say, like you mentioned, uh, About Time is one of my favorite movies ever. And so I'm sure that yesterday will follow suit for people who are maybe on the fence about seeing it. Uh, Also, just to address a criticism I heard of the film, a lot of people were disappointed with yesterday saying it was like a poor man's response to um, Bohemian Rhapsody, obviously about Queen. And I think you have to it's a different movie. It's not that they're not trying to do a biopic about uh, the Beatles. They're doing a, you know, interesting, like you said, sci-fi take on what life would be without the Beatles. And so if they were going to explore doing a recreation of the Beatles with actors, you know, who are similar to them in looks and really went through their life and their story, that would be a movie at a different time. But to compare those two, I think is why people had a little bit of unfair expectations with the film, the film and what it, and what it was meant to do. I, I think from what I've heard, has done a really great job of it, and um, I'm very excited to see it. Yeah,
1: Jack, you know, you're absolutely right. It's not a story of a band. You know, it's not the biography of Queen. It's not the biography of Elton John. It's it's not not a biopic of the Beatles. You don't really learn that much about the cat. The, the people who did make up the Beatles when watching the movie. It's really more a fantasy science fiction movie with the music of the Beatles as part of it, along with the romantic comedy element. So anybody that's looking to go see a movie which tells the story of the Beatles, this is not for them. It's not like that at all. Uh, I'll also mention just real quick, I happen to see the reboot of Child's Play, which is the horror movie classic. This movie stars Aubrey Plaza and has Gabriel Bateman as the young uh, character Andy, uh, who gets the famous Chucky doll that is a murdering, uh, murdering toy. Uh, I happen to like it. It was a fun movie, just real enjoyable summer film. Uh, Child's Play has never been one of my top horror franchises as these things go, but it was it was good enough. I don't really have anything negative to say about it. If you like horror movies, you're going to like it. I don't want to dwell too much on it because I wanted to make sure we uh, spent uh, the, the rest of our movie discussion talking about Rocket Man and Toy Story 4. Uh, Rocket Man is a musical biopic, straightforward, of Elton John. It also does have a fantasy element to it in that some of the songs, when they're depicted on screen, are part of these fantasy sequences. Uh, Not everything in the movie is completely accurate from the viewpoint of Elton John's career. There is a bit of fiction in there. Uh, Taron Egerton, star of the Kingsman series was excellent. Uh, He actually sang the Elton John songs, which I think is really awesome. He did a very good job with it. I actually listened to the soundtrack album. Uh, That being said, I do prefer the Bohemian Rhapsody soundtrack more for that movie because those are the actual Queen songs. And I like what they did on that soundtrack by mixing studio versions and live performances. Uh, But Rocketman is also a really good movie. I did like it. Jack,
0: I, I, have you seen that yet? I have and I, I'm I'm itching to see it. But one thing I will say like you mentioned with uh Taron Egerton, he's absolutely amazing just from what I've heard, from what people said. And even I remember when I saw that movie uh, sing, that animated Disney movie that came out right I think about a year or two ago, maybe maybe more, and he sang uh, I'm still standing as one of the one of the animated characters in it right. and he did a great job. I don't know if that's how they kind of discovered, you know, possibly using him for this movie or what. I don't know how that process was. But he did such a good job with I'm Still Standing that like, it's extremely popular on, on the internet to stream and stuff. And it's very popular, on I know, on Spotify and stuff. So he's he's a really great and talented performer, not only acting but also singing. And his ability to mimic uh, Elton John's voice is remarkable. And I think that's why this movie is done as well as, well as it is.
1: Yeah, I've read there were several connections between Elton John and Tyron Egerton. One of them is, like you said, his performance of – I'm still standing from the Sing Movies. Uh, He also starred with Elton John in the second Kingsman film. Elton John was in that movie, which is very cool. And I read online, if it's true, that years ago when he was auditioning for a performing arts school, he auditioned with an Elton John song, which, if it is true, is really cool to think that one day he'd be playing Elton John on screen. Uh, That's the type of stuff that never happens to us, (laughs) but it happens to (laughs) to movie stars. (laughs) So uh, that's very cool, if that is true. Uh, Jack, to conclude our movie discussion tonight, we got to talk a little bit about Toy Story Four. Uh, you saw this, right?
0: I haven't seen it. I'm you a haven't seen. Behind. It. Okay. No, but I I do have a couple things to say. Go ahead. So I guess I guess a couple of, a couple of these things I'll pose as questions to you. So I've had a bunch of friends see it, and they've all loved it. Really, they've all had really positive reviews. My only question is, and I guess it's all asked this to you since you've seen it. Despite this movie being as good as good as it was, and the fact that it was very emotionally powerful and supposedly ended, I mean famous last words, ended the franchise on a very good note. Do you think, despite all this, should we have ended with Toy Story 3? Did you really need to have a Toy Story 4, as, as good as it was? The answer
1: is absolutely no, we did not need this movie. Uh, and I say that having liked the movie. I don't have anything really bad to say about the film. I like the Toy Story movies. I like watching the characters. I like the vocal work done by the actors. Uh, I, I enjoyed the movie. I really had a lot of fun. But when it ended, I thought to myself, okay, this was good. I didn't personally love it. And why did this have to be made? Because I remember seeing Toy Story 3 in theaters with my wife. And at the end of the movie, I think she was in tears. I think I probably was in tears. And I thought to myself, oh, this was perfect. This was a great way to end this series, then they come back with this, and it does add. I won't give any spoilers there's stuff that happens to Woody, and that's uh, good for the series and just from an emotional perspective. But it's not necessary. And you know, when I was I was thinking about this earlier when I was talking to our co-host Neil. By the way, listeners, Neil and Joe are still part of the podcast. Their schedules have just been kind of busy. We haven't been able to all get on the same episode. But I was talking to Neil earlier today. And I was saying that Disney's summer movie selection in theaters is nothing really that is original-original. Aladdin, live-action version. Lion King, live-action version. Toy Story 4, okay, that's a new new movie, but it's a sequel. It's not an original movie. So to me, it just didn't have to be done. Uh, I really would like to see a brand-new original idea.
0: I think this is a theory I came up with the other day. I don't know if there's any grounds to this at all, but... I love speculating wild theories. So, my theory for why Disney made this movie is as all has everything to do with Toy Story Land. If you think about Toy Story Land, it opened in 2018, mm-hmm. 8 years after Toy Story 3 had aired in 2010. And so, as much as kids grow up watching these movies, I feel that they were worried that just in terms of their timeline that kids you, you know who are growing up today won't have gone back and seen these Toy Story movies and therefore there won't be as much of an appeal to go to Toy Story Land, there won't be as much of a market for it. And so in order to keep that part of the park alive, which they invested a lot of money into and want to be successful, they added another movie so that they can add a whole other generation of kids to know about Toy Story. Because this really does add another 100 years in terms of interest into the park because they put out a new movie and now kids who are growing up nowadays will see it. Kids uh, you know, who grow up 10 years from now will also see it. So I feel like they did it specifically just to add some longevity to the park more so than, any, more so than anything else. What do you think?
1: Jack, I hadn't thought about that before, but now that you mentioned it, it really does make a lot of sense. Uh, Toy Story Land obviously has done well uh, with people who are familiar with the franchise, but if they're going to continue to generate visitors decades into the future. They need to continue to churn out content. I wouldn't be surprised if one day we're looking at a Toy Story 7 and a Toy Story 8 just because yeah. of that. Uh, and that's when we would have big issues because mm-hmm. creativity would go out the window then and things would get stale, in my opinion, just kind of thinking ahead as to how that plays out. But, yeah, I, I think it's definitely fair to say that there, if there were no Toy Story land, there may not be a Toy Story 4 Uh, I think if there's, let's say, a Toy Story 5, then we really can say for sure, yep, this is all marketing from Disney's perspective. And I get it because they're a business, but it's just, it's kind of frustrating too.
0: And I will say, Scott, to that mention about original content, I did see on Instagram, they announced that there's a new uh, Pixar animated movie they announced, I think for 2020 um, coming out. It's called Soul, I I think, right? Soul, yes. And I mean, the only thing we have is artwork so far. But, you know, it's good to see that something original is going to be coming out because you do obviously want them not to just reproduce old hits. You want them to, you know, work on some new stuff. I
1: completely agree. And I'm, I'm excited about that Saul movie. When they announced it, I said, OK, this is good. I'm, I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those are some recent movies. We're going to keep on going to the movies. And we'll, of course, continue to be talking about that on Stuff We Love podcast in season two. Uh, Jack, anything else about the movies before we turn to some quick Disney news?
0: No, I will say uh, for all of our listeners, even though this is our last podcast episode from season one and we're going to be taking a little bit of a hi- hiatus, um, we're going to be putting, putting up uh, reviews of all these movies on our website on our movie rankings page. We already have all of them from 2018 and we're working on our list for 2019. And because the summer has been jam-packed with so many great movies, we're going to have a lot of additions onto that list. So you can see a little bit more thorough reviews of the movies and also get a bigger look at some of the ma- other, other movies we haven't maybe talked about on the podcast and maybe won't have time to talk about in the in-between period. Uh, you can check out our reviews there on the on the website.
1: So recently in Disney news, it's been a little slow because it's summertime, but just a couple of highlights stood out. Over at Coronado Springs, which is a moderate hotel at Walt Disney World, they just opened up this past week, the Grand Destino Tower, which is a standalone tower on the resort property. Uh, I got to tell you that when I saw video footage of it from people that attended, I was blown away. Uh, To me, this looked like a deluxe hotel, but that's at a moderate location. The price points seem to be pretty reasonable for a hotel like this. They're in the Mid-200s, from what I've seen, the hotel seems to have a modern feel to the property. And from what I've heard, the restaurant options are good. There's a dual-story lobby. Rooms have great views, some of which overlook the fireworks. And the theming of the hotel, I didn't know this until recently, is based on a cartoon that was supposed to be made but never was made. Uh, which was going to be a collaboration between Walt Disney and Salvador Dali. Uh, So that, to me, is a big deal. I'm going to try to stay at this hotel when I'm in Orlando for my conference next year. Uh, But for now, uh, I think it's a really cool addition to the world of moderate resorts. That's one story. And then the second thing is that we got the opening dates for the Star Wars attraction, Rise of the Resistance, which is going to be at Galaxy's Edge in Disney World and Disneyland. In Disney World, it opens December 5th opens at Disneyland on January 17th. We've gotten just a few rumors to come out about this. We don't know too much about the attraction other than to say that it's going to be a massive undertaking and it actually has a poster associated with the attraction that is reminiscent of the type of film posters they put out when a new Star Wars film comes out. So, Jack, I know we're going to be following those developments very, very closely.
0: Yes, absolutely. It's going to be exciting to see.
1: So, Jack, here we are. We're about to wrap up Season 1 uh, there's a lot going on this summer. You and I have both been busy. As I mentioned, Neil and Joe have been busy, too. Uh, but I just wanted to take a few moments on this episode to speak with you, looking back at season one. And we kind of say season one, it really goes back for 30 plus episodes. We never ended season one, technically speaking. But yeah, I think we both need a little bit of a break because we got a million things going on so we could come back refreshed and ready to go in September. Uh, But Jack, I'm going to turn it over to you to just sort of offer your thoughts about season one in the podcast.
0: Sure. So first thing I want to say is thank you to everyone who's been listening. We've been absolutely amazed at how many listens, downloads, subscriptions, you know, everything that we've been able to track and see. It's so great to see that people are interested in the same content we are. And, you know, like our title entails, uh, we created the show because we just love to talk about this stuff. And so we figured there's got to be people out there who want to talk about it too. And so like the title entails, we created this stuff to talk about stuff we love. And we've been so happy to see that so many of you others also love a lot of the stuff that we do. And so it's just been a great experience this first year. We've gotten great feedback. Um, and it's, it's just been so fun to do. Um, and like Scott said, we've been doing it for probably close to two years now. And so these past two years have been Uh, really enjoyable. And so the biggest thing that I want to say is just thank you to everyone who listened and to be very excited for season two. Season two, we're going to launch the details. I don't want to give away anything that much now, but we're going to have an absolutely amazing launch. We're working with a lot of content creators to do that. And it's going to be a big step for the podcast. So season two is going to be launched in September and just keep an eye out for it because it's going to be awesome.
1: Absolutely, Jack. We got a lot of great stuff coming uh, to to the listeners. I agree with what you said. Thank you to everyone who's listened to the show and subscribed and keep on tuning in. We've gotten great feedback on the podcast. Uh, You know, as Jack mentioned, the podcast was launched to be a place where fans can talk about news from the worlds of pop culture and theme parks. And we really feel that we accomplished that in season one. I loved our theme park discussions. They enhanced my appreciation for Disney World and the other parks. Uh, And the recent appearances by the Disney fan photographers was so exciting. It's Also, it was great to have on, during the season, our friend Scott, another Scott, to talk about his Disney theme park experiences. That was a very highly respected episode from our listeners. Each guest that we've had on has contributed something unique to the podcast, whether it's offering his or her take on a movie, uh, what they do for a living, their theme park experiences, and more. And I especially want to give a shout out to my good friend, Dan, who's been on the podcast a bunch of times talking about the Beatles. Our discussions have been exciting and fun and have made me a bigger Beatles fan, which I never even thought thought was possible. The one thing I did want to mention as we wrap up season one was a tweet that we got from a listener after my most recent Beatles episode with Dan. This was a tweet by at Dr. Kai, KYE on Twitter, who's a listener of the show and a great guy. Uh, In that Beatles episode, Dan and I were talking about connections between Disney and the Beatles, and there are quite a few connections, but we left out what is arguably the biggest connection, and Kai pointed this out. We didn't mention that When John Lennon was on vacation in the 1970s at Walt Disney World and staying at the Polynesian Hotel, it was at the hotel that he actually signed the paperwork that officially dissolved the Beatles from a legal perspective. Uh, Dr. Kai wrote into us and pointed out that we didn't mention that. And when I read that tweet, I thought to myself, oh, how could I miss that? Uh, So thank you for pointing that out. I was going to mention it in our next Beatles episode, but since we're wrapping up season one tonight, I definitely wanted to give a shout out to that mention. Uh, Thank you, Kai, for pointing this out. And it definitely is one of the most significant things to happen, not just in the world of the Beatles, but also at Walt Disney world to think that at the Polynesian hotel, that's where the Beatles came to an end. Finally, I just want to say, like Jack pointed out, we got great stuff coming your way in season two. We're going to keep on talking movies, theme parks, video games, sports, music, and more. We'll be back with the first episode of season two in September. In the meantime, for the rest of the summer, we are going to continue to post on social media platforms such as Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. uh, And we encourage all of our listeners, if they haven't done so already, to follow us on there. Uh, So, Jack, great season, my friend. This was really awesome so far.
0: Absolutely. It was a great ride and excited to keep going.
1: Thanks again, listeners. Uh, for now, we're just going to turn it over to our famous Stuff We Love segment where Jack and I are going to
0: talk tonight about something we're enjoying right now.
1: Let's talk about some stuff we love.
0: So I'm very late to the party, but it's a TV show called Breaking Bad, which I'm sure you're all familiar with. I actually was listening to a different podcast that I listened to, and they had mentioned that if you haven't seen the show, you just have to watch it. It's just so good. And so they were talking about it because there was this post Uh, between the two main characters from um breaking bad about a possible movie that's going to be coming out about breaking bad the details for that are haven't been talked about but that got me into you know looking into the show and i found i was on netflix and netflix probably the best platform for watching old shows because you can do it so easily and so quickly and so i've been watching breaking bad I'm, i'm about to finish season five and it's uh, one of the best shows I've ever seen. So if, if anyone's looking for a new show to fill a certain void or looking to binge a new show, definitely check out Breaking Bad.
1: Great recommendation, Jack. You know, as much TV as I've watched, I've actually never seen Breaking Bad. And people that hear that think I'm absolutely nuts because they know how much I enjoy TV. And I think it's a great recommendation. Uh, For my stuff we love this week, I'll mention something that's been around for years but that I've just recently gotten back into again. I used to be a big wrestling fan and watch it all the time. I just started watching, again, WWE Raw Uh, which is a Monday night show on the USA Network. It's classic. It's been around for a long time. I actually went to Raw one night when I was a college student. I went in and I saw people like The Rock Wrestle and Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know what? Everybody knows it's fake. The winners are predetermined. But I got to tell you that from an athletic perspective, the wrestlers are in great shape, and it amazes me how much they can do just with their bare arms. It was really great to get back into Raw, and I look forward to watching. Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode. We'd like to, again, thank Autoslash, our sponsor. Visit them on the web at autoslash.com. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at StuffWeLovePod. On Instagram, we are at StuffWeLovePodcast. We have a Facebook page, which we encourage you to go like. We're posting content there on a pretty regular basis. Our website is StuffWeLovePodcast.com. You can learn about the hosts, visit our products page, and also find links to our most recent episodes. You can write to us, stuffylovepodcast at gmail.com. And please, we'd love for you to leave those five-star reviews on iTunes. It makes it easier for others to find the show. Uh, So, again, we're wrapping up Season 1 with this episode. We'll be posting on social media in the meantime, and we look forward to being back on in September of this year. Thanks, everyone.